0: Thank you so much, Dan, for that highly entertaining and barely adequate mystery box. (laughs) Oh, that was simply outstanding. Simply outstanding. Oh, friends, well, let me add my uh, celebrative note to yours by wishing you all a very happy 4th of July and happy Independence Day. Uh, it's a joy to be outside. I know, you know, we're out here in the breeze and in the wind, but but if you remember last week, Pastor Angie got us into the Sermon on the Mount as a part of Matthew. We're going to continue that journey today, but you know, I got to figure there was some breeze out there on the mountainside, on the hillside, and uh, and we can also be thankful for some shade that we have to enjoy on this beautiful day. We are into the Gospel of Matthew. That is our journey throughout the course of this summertime. I hope you've been following along by reading in your own Bibles through the Gospel of Matthew, and it is such a powerful word, and I think it's the right word for this time in our lives. It's good to be in God's Word at any time in our lives, but right here at the beginning of the New Testament, we have the Gospel of Matthew, and it's a great text because it's Matthew's account of the story of Jesus that links Jesus from the Old Testament all the way through the New And when we make that connection, we we find a more profound way of reading and understanding the gospel story and the story of Jesus. And it starts off in the Gospel of Matthew where we started, which is this simple declaration. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Messiah, and Jesus is the one true King of Israel. And if you understand those things in context, you will further understand the beauty and the power of what is being shared throughout the many pages of Matthew's gospel, the gospel according to Matthew. So I want to encourage you to continue on that journey. We started there and then we continued on over the next couple of weeks to see the story of Jesus' birth. And the story of Jesus' baptism in power and how that unites us with Christ into God's family. And we saw his journey in the wilderness and and how God meets us in the wilderness of our own lives. And then last week... Like I said, Pastor Angie got us started on this powerful thing called the Sermon on the Mount. It's so powerful that it takes three full chapters to cover in the Gospel of Matthew. That's no small thing. And I would go so far as to say this, and others have said it as well. When we talk about the Gospel of Matthew and then when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about the greatest sermon ever preached, the greatest message ever given by the greatest preacher and teacher, of course, Jesus himself. And if there's a way that you could summarize what this powerful sermon means, one way would be to call it this. It is our kingdom constitution. It is our kingdom constitution. It shows us how we are to live as citizens of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And it's a very different kingdom from any earthly kingdom. Extremely unique. It turns everything upside down. As Pastor Angie began last week, sharing about the the blessedness that comes to us from God. Who is it that God counts as blessed? Not those who think that they've got it all together. Not those who believe that they've figured out their own way of being righteous. No, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those are the ones whom God calls blessed. Those are the ones that God looks to and says, you, you are meant to be a part of my kingdom. If there's a hunger in you, and if you acknowledge that you lack it in and of yourself, that place of humility, that's where we started on this powerful sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain, or the Sermon on the Hill. There's a lot of different ways that you can refer to this. Great sermon of Jesus. But we're going to continue today looking into Matthew chapter 6, the second part of this great sermon. And I just want to read it to you starting at chapter 6. And I want us to be in that place that we were at last week that, that Pastor Angie set us up for. Being in that place with Jesus teaching us, imagining ourselves there on the hillside, imagining ourselves waiting right there along with all of the disciples waiting. Thank you. Thank you so much. Waiting alongside all of the disciples, hearing what it is that Jesus has to say. So let's put ourselves in that attitude today with the excitement of wanting to hear from Jesus, because all the words that we're going to hear from Matthew chapter 6 are all Jesus's words, teaching his people, teaching us this kingdom constitution, and how to be citizens in his kingdom. So please just listen along as I read from Matthew chapter 6. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father Who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Powerful words from Jesus. Jesus is speaking to us about three practices of the Jewish faith that were foundational to the way that they lived out their lives almsgiving, the giving of offerings to the poor, prayer, the offering of prayers for those who are in need, as well as for yourself. And fasting, fasting, which I would describe as a way of of letting go of things in your life in an acknowledgement that God is the provider of everything that you need. Recognizing that you can't provide for yourself. It's a confession. Three powerful, potent tools in the hands of those who are followers of God. But there's a problem with things like this when it gets into our hands. Anytime we get a practice of piety a practice of godliness that gets put into our hands, our tendency is to take it and make it something that we do to impress God and impress others. The focus becomes on us rather than a focus on God. I would call this an external motivation. This is what Jesus is concerned about. He is bearing witness to the ways in which these simple practices have been corrupted in a way that that turns people off to God, or turns people away from God and instead turns people to us, to me. Self-righteousness. You see, the look-at-me kind of self-righteousness always misses the point. When your righteousness and your righteous acts point to you, you miss Jesus' point. The point is, whatever it is that we do in this life as followers of Jesus is meant to point to him. It's meant to point back to him. And the problem is with us, not with Jesus. (laughs) We are the ones who make things about ourselves. There's only one motivation that can please God because it's a reflection of who God is. And that's the motivation of love. Now, I'm sure you're listening to me going, okay, we're going to hear another sermon about love. Well, that's good. Yes, I've heard a lot of sermons about love, Pastor Darren. Can't we move on to the deeper, harder, more important things? Nope. Because there is no singular thing in the kingdom of God that is more important than a motivation of love. Nothing is more important in the way that we bear witness to who God is and to his kingdom as its citizens than acting out of a motivation of love. Love is the currency of the kingdom. Love is that that thing of exchange, it's the way in which we show people this is the heart of God. And we can do it through many different methods, but when those methods point to us more than they point to God, we miss the point. Now, here's the thing. There are a lot of different ways that we can be motivated, and other motivations aren't in and of themselves bad. What do I mean by that? Well, listen, if somebody has been living their life as an addict, and they make a decision for their own personal health to stop doing that which has been killing them and destroying them, That in and of itself isn't wrong. Nobody would ever call that wrong. It's a good thing for that addict to make a choice to no longer be doing those things that are destructive to themselves. But what I am saying is that in and of itself, that doesn't bear witness to who God is. The only things that bear witness to who God is are things that are motivated out of love. Our righteous acts are meant to point back to Jesus and actually to point away from ourselves. That's why Jesus talks about doing these things in secret. Now, when Jesus says doing these things in secret, he's actually using a little bit of of hyperbole here. That's a fancy term for going. Jesus is kind of going to one extreme in order to make a point in the other extreme. He talks about these, these self-righteous people standing on the corner while they're giving and like shouting out while the trumpets are playing, hello, I'm here giving to the temple now. Were there actually people standing on the courts screaming out while the trumpets were blasting and screaming that out to the people around them? We don't know, but it would definitely be a very, very extreme case. It's not like it was everybody's practice in Israel as they were giving to do that. But Jesus points out this crazy extreme on this end to then bring people back to a place of understanding what the heart of love is about. The heart of love isn't about being seen for what you are doing. It's about seeing God for who he is. So that what you do becomes a reflection of who he is. So that when people come and, and find out what's going on and what's different about you, you can point them to Jesus saying, hey, what's different about me isn't that I'm so great. What's different about me is that God is so good and that God is so loving. And that is why we give. And here's the other thing. Each one of these acts, almsgiving, prayer, fasting, all of them are a form of giving. You see, to, to give an offering, well, that's to give out. To give out from what God has given to us. When we give out in an offering by taking care of, of the needs of the poor, whether we're giving out in an offering to our congregation so that we can continue to be in mission together, or, or seeing the need of your neighbor and giving out a, in a gift to them to care for them, well, that's a form of giving and a reflection that comes from a heart of love when it is motivated by love. And prayer, well, prayer is just giving over something. When we pray, we are looking at our own needs or at the needs of our neighbor and saying, how can I pray for you? How can I bring these things before God and give them over to him? So when we pray, we give over. And when we fast, we give up. Any of you who are familiar with a practice that we often do during a season of the church life known as Lent, know that it's often a tradition during Lent to give up something. And it's important to recognize that the reason that we give something up, again, isn't to make us look good or to make us feel good. We give up something to the Lord as a recognition of the fact that, God, I can't do this myself. I can't provide for myself. So when I let go of something that I've tried to provide for myself, whether it's my own entertainment or or my own appetites or whatever those things might be, and and I give them up to you, Lord, I'm acknowledging I can't do this myself. I need you. And I need your love in my life to be able to do any of this so we we give out and we we give over and we give up each one of these are places of giving but in order for them to be something that that reflects who god is it must come from a motivation of love because here's the thing you can give without loving you can give prayers for people without loving you can give money or resource to people without loving you can give of your time. You can give things up without loving. And the Apostle Paul gives a whole chapter devoted to this in his letter to the church at Corinth that's all about love and, and how the fact that, that love that is, is just a display for others to see, things and acts that we do that are just for others to, to take in and appreciate us, they don't matter at all. They're just noise. They're just noise. when something comes from that heart of love, it changes everything. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So you'll hit a spot in your life like many people do at some point, which is when you've just run out of anything to give yourself. As we've walked through this journey over the last year and we're coming out of it now, there's something that Not only I have noticed, but my staff team has noticed. And it turns out that it's not just a particular thing about our church. It's about churches and nonprofits and organizations all across the United States in particular. And it's this. People are having a really hard time finding volunteers. A really hard time finding volunteers. The question becomes, well, why is that? I think it's because a lot of people have just felt tapped out. They're exhausted. They've been wiped out spiritually in a lot of ways over the course of this last year. And they've been trying to sustain themselves by keeping their own tank full. But when you're running on empty, you've got nothing to give. We have a value here at Community of Grace called love pours out. And it's a beautiful value. And when it comes from that heart of the Father's love for us, it's a beautiful thing, but, but when we talk about love pouring out, for some of you, you might just be in a place of going, my gosh, I got nothing left to pour out. That's where we need love to pour into us. That's where we give opportunity to receive from God. God is the ultimate source of love and the ultimate source of generosity. And he exemplifies it in Jesus himself, in what Jesus gave for each and every one of us. But if you're feeling kind of tapped out, if you're feeling just tired, if you're feeling like, I just don't know what it is that I have to give, I want to invite you today to let some of God's love pour into you. So that as that love pours into you and you begin to become full you are then able to pour out that love for the sake of others. Whether it's giving financially to a neighbor or to the church, whether it's it's giving of prayers to others that's motivated by love, whether it's, it's giving something up because you just recognize, I don't have it in myself anymore, God. Whatever that place may be for you, there's opportunity to let God's love pour into you. One of those ways is what we're going to share today. We're to come to the Lord's table where Jesus himself, who is poured out and broken for you, is poured out into you. And we actually receive that gift from God in a tangible way. God's love on display. The cross right there in front of us, his body and his blood given for us as a sign of God's love, as the perfect example of God's love. So come and receive that today. Not out of duty. Not just because it's something else to do. Not because you want other people to see you as being somebody who's a religious person who goes and does religious things. But as one who is hungry and thirsty. As one who desires to have God's love fill you back up again. Just come and receive that from God today. Out of his grace for you. And then two weeks from this Sunday, we have something called Love Pours In. How about that? An opportunity on a Sunday night at 630 to just come to church and just be in a place of having God's love pour into you. We started doing this several years ago as, as, a, as a way of bringing together our volunteers and the folks who have poured out in so many ways to remind them to be poured back into again. And you know what? This last year was unlike anything else because this last year we didn't have a lot of people volunteering because we weren't able to. We were cut off from one another. But how good it is to come now and make this your starting place of coming and having God pour into you first. Come join us on that evening. And then continue to let God's love pour into you through his word. If you haven't picked up one of those packets, the ABCs of Matthew, it's not too late. (laughs) You can pick one up and you can start making your own journey through the gospel of Matthew. Just, Just letting God's word feed you and fill you with the true love of God himself presented to us in Jesus. Friends, it's a good time to let God's love pour into us so that the world can see how good he is. Not how good we are, but how good he is. His love poured out for you so that his love can be poured out on others, and they too can be filled with that same love. That's the heart of the matter. That's the heart of how we are to live in this kingdom way. And as we prepare to come to the table here in just a moment, I want you to think about the prayer that we share. Jesus points to it right in the middle of this passage, doesn't he? What we call the Lord's Prayer. And if you want to call the Sermon on the Mount the Kingdom Constitution, then really what you've got in the Lord's Prayer is that declaration of dependence, a declaration to Jesus, I'm dependent on you a declaration to your Heavenly Father, I can't do anything apart from you. I need you, Lord. And I can't do this on my own. So let's live into that place today. Let's let God's love pour into us as we receive. And let's continue to be in that mode of receiving as we prepare ourselves to then respond in giving. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are good, and you are loving, and you are merciful, and you are kind. And Lord, we confess that we're not. (laughs) We confess, Lord, that in so many ways we live our lives selfishly, thinking only of our own needs and not of the needs of others, Lord, asking for people to, to see us. Lord, may we become invisible so that you can be seen everywhere. Father, may your love that was shown to us on the cross, may it now be revealed to us again today in your body and your blood, broken and shed for us. Because we need it, Lord, every day, every hour every moment. Jesus, you who are our king, lead us in the ways of your kingdom. Show us the ways of your kingdom. Show us your heart, Lord. Remind us of the kind of king that you were, the kind of king that you are, the kind of king that you will continue to be until your kingdom finally comes in its glory in your return thank you, Jesus. We pray these things today in your name. Amen.